holding pocket. It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter. Hello and welcome once again to the Chipping Forecast. Um, uh, that's a smooth start, Andrew. Well done, professional. Uh, I am Andrew Cotter and our special guest every week, our regular special guest, is Ian Carter. Hello, Ian. Hello, Andrew. Oh, energetic. And Eddie Pepperell is our, uh, well, I don't know what he is. He's our regular insider, man in the know, the talent of the team who is up a mountain in Cron-sur-Sierre. How are you, Eddie? I'm all right, Andrew. There's a bit of uh, strange sounds going on, so I don't know the way connection's great. I know there's a delay on the line. I'm, I'm particularly tired, so I'm going to just come in intermittently, a bit like my wife I signal uh, on today's episode, I think. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if that's an early edit, but uh, I'll tell you what it is. It's an early edit on the delay, as you mentioned, because you are staying... You're obviously staying... <laughs> I thought you were loaded. You're staying in the... Well, everything's very expensive there. You're staying in the Cron sur equivalent of the the Premier Inn, which is advertised by Lenny Lenny Federer. And uh, the, the Wi-Fi is not so good there. So there is a big delay on the line. So I can see... I, we can see you, though. You've got a lamp growing out of your head. But also, we can see that it's a... Well, it's a beautiful place, Cron sur isn't it? It is, it is, but it's, as you say, it's not cheap. So uh, grand for the week doesn't go particularly far here. I've got a bed like a bed sit that's coming out of the wall, um, but I've got my own pillow, so that's the main thing. Um, I, so you travel with your own pillow. I remember Poulter used to talk about travelling with his own pillow uh, on his jet or, or Tiger Woods' jet. He would jump on with his own pillow under his arm and say, Tiger, me and my pillow are coming with you. Um, get used to it. Have you got your own pillow? Yeah, I have. In fact, I bought it at this tournament two years ago, strangely enough, at a little uh, shop down the road. It was not cheap again, but lovely, very firm, um, which is which is something that helps my uh, my brain offload its thoughts at night as I'm dreaming sweetly about the middle of the club place. Okay, we are grappling a little bit with the quality of your Wi-Fi, but why did you not, having been in Prague or just outside Prague for the Czech Masters, why did you not just have a lovely drive down through through the Alps to Cron-sur-Sierre rather than fly back and fly back out again. Um, would that not have been a lovely trip? Probably, uh, although I got very lucky with the travel, as you didn't, Andrew, as we probably will find out. I, I flew home from Prague yesterday morning and got home and saw the news and then flew out today with no delay. So I'd be very fortunate, but um, no, I wouldn't have fancied that, that trip all the way here. Okay. Uh, we, we do, Ian, have to, because we are wandering vagabonds in the golf world, we do have to put up with the occasional technical glitch. Eddie sounds fine. He just sounds a little bit um, distant and, and delayed. But um, you are in your regular room, Ian's den yes. in his house. So you sound absolutely rock solid. And uh, how's your week been? Uh, yeah, no, it's not as eventful as as yours. Um, I know you've had you've had health issues, travel issues. Health issues. Uh, you have had health issues. Let's not beat about the bush. I, all I can bring to the party is a a pulled or torn calf muscle. Uh, playing paddle yesterday, seeing a physio <laughs> tomorrow. Um, uh, some some really really bad cricket on Sunday. <laughs> 
but also, and and um, one of our bosses at Folding Pocket put me on to uh, Daniel Grieve, who's the pro at uh, Woburn, and the little short game lessons he puts on Instagram. And I started watching them. I played golf last week. And you know how bad a chipper I am, how dreadful I am out of bunkers. Mm-hmm. I had my best short game round of golf in a very, very, very long time. I felt like a junior again, you know, when you just hit chips and don't worry about them. And, um, yeah, so uh, shout out to Daniel Greaves' Instagram, honestly. Um, potentially transformational. Okay, we'll see if how I long could, that if, lasts. If I could walk. Yes, if you, that tells us you're not a junior in that you've you've torn a calf muscle playing paddle. I knew it was only a matter of time before this um, this late midlife crisis caught up with you. I love paddle. It's going to be the making oh, of great. me. It's going to change it's me entirely. Oh, I've torn my calf muscle and <laughs> my lower back has gone. Um, well, yes, as you alluded to, that sounds good. As you alluded to, I've had quite an eventful week whereby I um, was out in Budapest. Obviously, we did a podcast from there in a very noisy stadium last week and uh, all seemed well. But brewing away at that time uh, of recording the last podcast was um, was COVID. I obviously had it at the time, but I, I didn't. Um, I mean, I tested, thankfully, before I had a... Um, Salvation yesterday in that I, I tested negative yesterday for the first time and so was able to get back on the flight. Well, that's a very, very, there was a very, very, very faint T-line. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be infectious after about six days of having this. So I, I masked up. Um, Eddie would be shaking his head at this. He would advocate just kissing as many people as possible to um, uh, get herd immunity. But I, I masked up and got on the plane back Um so I was like John Rahm at was it Memorial where he was leading by about twenty shots and tested positive and missed out in the yeah, yeah well Memorial that was me at the World Champ not that I was leading I was very much sort of uh, had just made the cut in terms of my broadcasting but um, got COVID so got um, got pulled before or, or removed myself before doing things like oh the men's eight hundred meter final I was looking to, forward to that that was going to be my John Rahm at the Memorial. Um, ben Patterson's bronze medal, uh, and so it was. It wasn't very pleasant to be honest. When you're ill abroad, it's it's uh, and you're confined to a little a little hotel room. It's a good job you have such a sunny outlook on life, isn't it? Really, I mean that <laughs> that clearly got you through. I took it in my stride. I think that's why I don't recover from illnesses that quickly because I'm so negative. Because I think um, it's the end of life as we know it. Uh, Instead of some people will just shrug it off with a positive outlook and say, they'll make that noise, and they'll, by, by doing that, having a positive outlook, their white blood cells are equally positive. I think my white blood cells just go, oh, God, we're all, we're all doomed. And so they just can't be bothered getting up and, uh, and doing their vital work. So it, it was all right. I think it might have been because I was mocking or mentioning in light-hearted fashion the the mummified right hand of of saint stephen that a, a curse was brought upon me but i got back last night um how, how long were you delayed remarkably the flight i was on was only delayed by 40 minutes so it left very i was it was scheduled to be very late anyway but got back home at two in the morning but almost everybody else steve backley is still lost in the middle of europe somewhere he had to get a <laughs> no he got up he left the hotel at four in the morning sat on a plane for six hours got deplaned 
as they say, and then was told there wasn't another flight for him to get on for another three days. So he had to get back. And so he got on a train to go through Vienna, to go to Munich, to Frankfurt, and then on to Brussels. And I think he's still going as we're recording this. He's somewhere in, I think he's in Belgium now. And he is, he is the most optimistic, positive, the loveliest person you're ever going to meet, and a very, very keen golfer. Loves his golf. He was captain of um, uh, the London Club. That's the one out in, yeah. Does he get angry? I wonder if anyone's ever seen him throw a club. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. I'd love, I would just love to know how far he could throw a club. Well, do you know, he did, there was a challenge they did at, BM, at the, the PGA Championship uh, about maybe six, seven years ago, where Mark, well, I don't know how long ago it was, but Martin Keimer was was the main man. So, um, But it was Keimer off the first tee hitting a wedge to a target and Steve Jack Backley was throwing a javelin to the same target. But the thing is, javelin throwing in a stadium is impressive because it looks really, it is really far, you know, pushing 90 metres. That Steve Backley pushing 50 was not able to get it that distance. He can still shift it out there. But when you put it in a context of a golf course on a fairway, a javelin throw does not look that far. You think 80 metres. So Keimer was just hitting these little knockdown half half wedges. <laughs> Backley was having to tear his adductor in trying to hurl this javelin and be as accurate as Keimer with a with a lob wedge or something. So um, yeah, I think they didn't think that through possibly. But, but but there you are. You see, the javelin has been modified to not fly as far, so it can fit into the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, this is beyond golf to limit how far a golf ball travels so that it fits in a golf course. I'll just pick you up on that. I've hit so many houses at Wentworth, so my golf balls <laughs> do not stay in the confines of the golf club. I just 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 to say. No no, but that's the that's that's my point. That if you can if you can the the javelin event hasn't been diminished because the javelin doesn't go as far, but they had to they had to rein it back because otherwise the it was nearly hitting the track. Were, it was we're, we're going to get stabbed by it. Yeah. So so you they so they reined it back. The competition remains the same, and the same would be would apply to golf if they just reined the golf ball back. Yeah, there we are. I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that Eddie interjected there quite sharply. Have you changed your internet? What's happened? Because I've I've gone on to five G, which um, oh. is now down at about two pound a day. So this is this is costing me. So the BBC need to reimburse me two pound twenty nine. Well, the BBC won't. We're just we're 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 riding along on sounds on the BBC behemoth, but uh, we're not. So we'll get a folding pocket, or we'll start a um, what do they call Patreon, or little. Uh, we'll we'll get have a whip round for Eddie because this is this is so much better. This um, your five G. That's tremendous. Thank you. Well, that maybe put it out on Truth Socially, because you were saying about Trump, Donald Trump on Truth Social. You must follow him. I, I don't. But um, what happened there? No, I didn't. I, did, I don't follow him, but I saw this that some because someone brought it over to Twitter or X, Y, the artist formerly known as Twitter, and that Donald Trump has won the senior club championship at Trump Bedminster. So he stressed this is for over fifties. So he won the senior club championship, shot sixty-seven at Bedminster. So well done, Donald Trump. That's a fine round of golf. But he was keen to stress in his his post on Truth Social. That uh, it was all absolutely. What did he say? He said there was no lanky hanky. Or oh, I've got to find <laughs> yeah. it. I, I didn't. Is that an American expression for cheating or skullduggery? He said there was no 
No lanky hanky. So, so 67, that means he's beat Westford by about 15 shots then. <laughs> but he didn't get, he didn't, he didn't earn as much money as Westford did for. Oh, I was looking at some of the, I was looking at the, somebody posted all the results from, from Live. I think it was one of the magazines to show how much money people had made. And it's, I mean, I, I know we've talked about it before, but it's, it's astonishing how if you get into Live, you can just play the worst golf. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to get $120,000, $140,000 for finishing last. It's uh, um, anyway. So, but my, my, my idea, Ian, is that I am going to, now that I've turned the big five oh, I'm going to try and win the Bedminster Senior Club Championship. Now, yeah. first of all, to do that, I'm going to have to, join Bedminster, um, get nominated by someone. I don't know that. I looked it up, $350,000 joining fee. This is, um, so again, if we have a whip round, Eddie's 5G and my joining fee at Bedminster. I think once once you're in, once you've paid that, it's actually quite reasonable. I think it's about $25,000 a year. So, you know, that's just minimal. But, um, oh, I also saw that the old course there, it's called the old course at Bedminster, was laid out. In 2004, ancient time, days of yore, uh, 2004, the old course. But then I could arrange a challenge match with Donald Trump. Hmm. Like, like, Well, you know, the golfing YouTubers are always no. arranging yeah. challenge matches. Like, can they beat a tour pro? Can they beat a wrestler? Can they beat a, a pelican? So we can make it happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll take on Donald Trump and we'll, we'll film it for the chipping forecast. Let's make it so. We could do it at, at uh, Turnbury. Yeah. No hanky-lanky, though. That's the well, phrase you're looking for. Hanky lanky. Hanky lanky. Can I tell you, I'll tell you a Donald Trump um, story. And actually, just for people who've arrived here for sort of thinking that we might analyze Ryder and Solheim Cup teams. We will do. We will do. Um, but um, <laughs> one of the, uh, I remember when I was in Miami uh, last year for the Live team event, I followed Donald Trump round for the Pro-Am. And he was playing with Brooks Kepka, and they were playing basically off the best drive. So basically, he was taking Kepka's drive on every hole. And at the eighth was a par five. I I was standing there. I'd got my my BBC Five live phone there because Trump always loves a microphone. I'm thinking he might just come over for a chat. <laughs> so I'm standing and he, and watched him, and he held a four footer, and he picked the ball out, and he he, he always sort of. He puts his his legs really really wide to bend down to pick the ball up, which looks it looks like um looks like a giraffe, you know, just trying to get down to to have a drink or something out, out of a river. A giraffe that sort of let itself go a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And, and then he walked down the walkway and he looked at me. He saw me and he nodded, and he just he just said another par, and. I, <laughs> Is totally not taking any account of the fact that he was living off the drives of, of Brooks Kepka all the way around. No. Another par. Did he say as like Jack Sparrow as well? Just like Jack Sparrow, <laughs> did he? Uh, um, that was Ian's Ian's collection of impressions has moved on from Bruce Forsyth to Jack Sparrow. Well, um, I mean, he he once told me I was a very bad reporter and that maybe one day I'd apologise to him. And he's still waiting for that apology, I must say. Oh, actually, on that scramble thing, uh, Donald Trump and Brooks Kepka, there was an email, and we'll get into uh, lots of emails, we'll get into most of the emails later on, but there was one, uh, a question from Ian McLeod, 
who is a, a guy who does, he actually does the a lot of the stats the um, at Wimbledon. So he'll appear on Talkback and say, Andrew, do you want uh, uh, forehand spin rates at the moment? And I'll just... No. No, well, no, but some of them are quite good. But then he, but he'll mm. offer various things, and uh, at that point, I just, well, usually I would ask the co-commentator if they want to, unless it's McEnroe, in which case I just don't trouble him because <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, oh, John looks angry at the moment, so I won't bother him with that. But anyway, Ian McLeod had a good question. He said, "Could Ian and Andrew playing scramble golf beat Eddie?" And, and now that sounds ridiculous because Eddie is a tour player and outstandingly, I mean, our our level is so far below that of Eddie's. But scramble, if you're talking about scramble through the whole hole, so we take our better drive, then we take our better second shot off that drive, then we take it, blah, blah, blah. Could we live with Eddie? Eddie has his finger up as if to say, not his finger, he's just to, to make a point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you could. But we should. We'll have to put it to the test, and we'll have a round, and we'll report back to Ian. That would be probably my suggestion. I but think we'll that... have to be obviously off the same tees, and, and we'll go to Queenwood, and I'll ask them to put devilishly tough pins out. No, I, I, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that I'm going to say confidently that not only could I beat Donald Trump in his senior club championship at <laughs> Bedminster, but that Ian and I could. It certainly wouldn't be a disgrace. We wouldn't be embarrassed. We wouldn't be... No, I, I, I just scramble is so... I think what would happen is the pressure would get to us because you're used to playing under pressure. I think because if Ian or I hit a poor drive, then the second drive would also be ridiculously poor because then we're under all sorts of pressure. I, I think, think it would be close. I think if you left me with quite a few short game challenges, we'd be in, in with a shout. Oh, I'd forgotten about your short game. No, we'd lose 7-6, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, with, not with what I've seen on Insta. Oh, no. Like changed man. And there we are. Right, anyway, so that was one email. Shall we, shall we do some, some brief, serious chat? We'll return to some fun stuff. <laughs> but um, today, we're recording this quite late for various reasons. Um, it, getting our travels back from various parts of the world and our recovery to full health. Thanks be to whoever has managed that. But um, but Ryder Cup picks have been done today, US Ryder Cup picks. Ian, you have been all over it. You've been chatting to ZJ, and I, the, the picks are not quite as I expected, but the two main stories, I think, are the two main figures in, in Kepka and Thomas both getting in. Yeah, and I think this sort of kind of got telegraphed uh, as we got closer and closer to the announcement that Justin Thomas, despite missing three out of four cuts at the majors, not making it to the PGA Tour playoffs, has been included in the team. And it was interesting listening to uh, Zach Johnson, uh, the, the, the fact that he talked about the chemistry that he is going to bring the heartbeat of the, of the American team room, which was exactly what Eddie, your, your caddy Jamie was, was making that point, wasn't he? That, you know, in, in the same way as, as Europe have, have picked a Sergio Garcia or an Ian Poulter who hasn't qualified as of right to get into, um, into the team. 
uh, having there just with that that presence and the chemistry, I think was very important. He said, as far as Kepka was concerned, he basically qualified. I mean, he was only twenty nine thousand dollars short of it, or twenty nine thousand points of automatic qualification. For me, the interesting one was was Sam Burns getting in. Well, WGC match play champion, um, obviously along with. Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and Colin Morikawa, I think they were they were pretty nailed on. But the fact that Cameron Young, Keegan Bradley, Tony Finau all miss out and they're all in the world's top 20. Mind you, Paul Casey missed out when he was in the top 10 from Colin Montgomery's team uh, in 2010. But even so, that does show or kind of speak to a strength and depth in the American team, I think. Yeah, um, I didn't know that about Paul Casey. That That is an interesting one. Uh, I, I was a little surprised as well. To some degree, uh, I think the person I probably feel most um, feel most for would be Keegan Bradley. Of those people, the guys you've mentioned, he's clearly been playing very well, and I think he was between him and Sam Burns, um, really. And, and I can totally see the rationale behind picking Sam Burns. You know, close friends with Scott Scheffler, won the WGC match play, as you say. So yeah, I see people online criticizing the pick of Justin Thomas, but. To me, he is the Ian Poulter or slash Sergio Garcia figure of the American team. And um, I think even if he doesn't play the foursomes, which I could see him not playing the foursomes, the way the course will be set up, he still could potentially be extremely valuable in the four balls um, should he go on to make a lot of birdies and and he, and, and you know obviously add to the team room with his experience. So uh, solid picks, really. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I was... I... A lot of people were expecting Cam Young to be picked ahead of, uh, and Sam Burns was going to be the guy to miss out. Sam Burns, I think, um, just missed out on Walker Cup selection when he should have been in when he was a, an amateur. So happy for him. Actually, I don't, I'm, I'm neither happy nor unhappy for him. I don't really care that much. But um, it's uh, he's a good, good player. Lucas Glover. Not making it in. Now that must be because he's forty-three, and they might mm. have feared that he would he would, he would collapse uh, before the matches and just wouldn't be able to. Get his Zimmer frame onto the tee or something. Uh, listen, it's a, it's what can you say? It's a good, it's a good team. I mean, they could have picked. I mean, USA have even with the live thing happening, and people like Bryson DeChambeau, or Dustin Johnson, you know, not being available anymore. They got such depth. I think there are lots of. Well, players. Hang, hang on a minute. They were what? they were available. That's that that's that's erroneous, isn't it? Sorry, not as I mean, no, I mean, no, I don't mean not being available. I mean not being able to show their form. Is not what it was because I think if Dustin well, Bryson Johnson... DeChambeau shot fifty eight yeah, two weeks uh, ago, yeah, it was a par fifty seven though, so he was actually disappointed. With that <laughs> so no, Dustin Johnson would be playing better if he were still playing on the PGA Tour, but he's kind of given up on on. Well, I say he's given up on competitive golf. I think internally he might have just switched off a little bit because he's just earning a huge amount of money and it doesn't really matter anymore. And I think it's a shame because, you know, he's a huge, huge talent. I think if Dustin Johnson had stayed on the PGA Tour, he would have been in the Ryder Cup team because he would, he would be a different golfing beast now. But anyway, my point was that the, the USA have got 20 players of you know, 10 to 20 of a comparable standard. It doesn't matter if you pick Keegan Bradley, Lucas Glover, uh, Cam Young could easily have been transposed in for three of the players who have been picked as as wild cards and it wouldn't make a huge amount of difference. But I think Justin Thomas, because he's a buddy of ZJ, but also because of what he brings in terms of energy and historic talent was always going to be in. And, um, and Brooks Kepka is one of the best golfers of of all time and a, a big beast. So um, I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's, there are no real 
news lines, shock lines in there. Just people will be getting cross on social media because that's what they do. No, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's interesting that the live players, you know, like Patrick Reed um, had better results at the majors than Justin Thomas this year. Um, and he didn't get any consideration. Dustin Johnson, likewise. Uh, Bryson, we've referenced in terms of his, his 58. I'm not making a claim for them to be in the American team. But what I did think was interesting was that Zach Johnson didn't contact any of those live players uh, in the way that he contacted the likes of Keegan Bradley and Tony Finau. And he said he went down to something like 2022 in the list of players. So that's like 10 disappointed players that he, he did contact. Yeah. He didn't contact any of the, of the live players, which to me, and I, you know, I spoke to him um, and we, we did an interview and I, I basically said, you know, is it right to say that you took no notice of form on, on live in terms of assessing your, your picks. And he kind of agreed that that was the case. Um, and I just kind of, I, and I, I, I'm not arguing either way as to whether that's the right thing, but I think it's just worth highlighting that that is the background to this Ryder Cup and the build up to it is, is unique. Um, you know, and the, and the very fact that there are a swathe of Europeans who are not eligible for selection is, is brand new, even though, you know, and we're hiding behind the fact that none of those players would have got a pick anyway, um, we think, because they're, they, they're past it in, in Ryder Cup terms. They're over 43. Um, but do you, do you know what I mean? It, it's a different background, and it does raise an awful lot of questions going forward if live remains a thing, and we just don't know what the future of, of men's professional golf is going to be at this at this stage. For me, the Americans on live had to do what Brooks kind of did to get onto the Ryder Cup this year. You know, the the opposite to that is Taylor Gooch. He's been the best performer on Liv, but he's performed poorly in the majors. So, you know, this is the issue, isn't it? And and I and I'm kind of inclined to agree with Zach Johnson. These guys are just not playing against the best players in the world often enough. Uh, I'm sorry, you watch Victor Hovland or you watch these last two or three weeks on the PGA tour, the standard of golf at the very top of the PGA tour is exceptional the competition is is exceptional and unless these guys are competing against them more regularly i i don't think unless they do again what brooks did in the majors i, I don't think they should be on the, the team um that would be my my sense of it hmm, well uh we've been talking a lot about zach johnson and a lot about uh, justin thomas so ian you actually did talk to the u.s captain so let's hear from zj talking about uh, first of all jt there's certain individuals that um i think are built for it made for it kind of wired that way and he would be at the top of my list as far as just what it requires what it demands out of you i'm not suggesting that others don't want to be there or frankly don't deserve to be there but jt is one that has always relished these opportunities has always showed that his best golf comes out in this arena and when it comes to these difficult places i want gentlemen that compliment the team room and individuals that um, are kind of built like me, where they're, they're comfortable in the uncomfortable, and I think JT is, is just that. Was it tough to pick a live player in Brooks Kepka? Brooks is one guy that um, I've had numerous talks with, great, candid, honest talks. Again, he's built for this, I and mean, his record shows that. But in full transparency, no. I mean, the guys wanted him. He adds flexibility. A lot of guys want to play with him. Uh, and the way we see it is that he basically qualified for this team 
without qualifying for the team. And we're talking about $29,000. And you add elevated events in there, you know, it was difficult. So it was probably a lip out, you know, or a lip in on maybe for him uh, that, that could have earned his spot. He wanted to earn his way on this team, and he, he has voiced that to me numerous times. But at the same time, we know who he is, we know what he's made of, and we know that he makes our Team USA that much stronger. Two years ago, Dustin Johnson won five points out of five. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau was a, a big star in a record-breaking winning team. Patrick Reed has been Captain America for the United States. Did They've obviously not been selected. Did you contact them to explain their, their omission? Uh, I mean, the short answer to that is no. Um, I went down the list. I mean, we've got guys that play in the PGA Tour, guys that play in the majors, and a lot of those gentlemen are able to play in the majors, and that's their way to garner points based on decisions they made. Brooks Kepka earned his way into this team the way we see it. You know, the bottom line is I, I went down that list. That's where the point system that we enacted way back when, that's how it works. You earn your way onto this team via money on the PGA Tour and in major championships. Well, 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 well. Um, yeah, so he didn't he didn't speak to people that he didn't pick down below a certain level, but um, yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. So, um, I mean, Justin Thomas, pretty much as Eddie was saying, he's, he's just saying that he's there for not only his ability, historic ability, but for his his energy, his... Uh, and, and it's it's about... Uh, the fact that people want him on the team, and he's saying that people wanted Brooks Kepka on the team as well. So that's so important. Do you think this is a departure, guys, um, from previous American kind of philosophies, which have always centered around picking the best 12 players and actually really taking a long, hard look at chemistry, pairings, and locker room kind of atmosphere? Quite possibly. Um, I don't know if this is the first time they've gone six and six. You know, if you've got six picks, then the more picks you have, the more obviously chance there is you're going to get the scenario which we have here, right? Where one or two individuals get picked. Much like Poulter and Garcia. I mean, Garcia in 2018 was a prime example, but he went on to perform brilliantly. So yeah, it would make sense, doesn't it? And they've got so much strength and depth throughout the team that I don't, even if, like I say, if Justin just plays three times in Rome, I think that could be enough for him. I, I actually don't think he'll play the foursomes unless he shows great form in practice to, to Zach Johnson. I don't think he'll play the foursomes, but that doesn't mean to say he's not going to be a great addition to the team. So uh, yeah, quite possibly in. Buddies, it's the ultimate buddies team. They're all just buddies. I don't think that. I think that's important that people get along. It, it can be a huge factor, especially when you're playing on foreign soil as well, and it's us against them. And most of the supporters will be going for, will be going for Europe. That uh, it is very important to have that, um, that 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 unity and that feeling that we're all together in this. And it also is a bit more like football, isn't it? I think to somebody like uh, Mario Balotelli just came to my mind, for example, who was an extremely talented player. You know. But he was often not picked because he didn't fit into the squad of 11 guys on the day. And, and that's the that's exactly what the manager has to go through when he picks a squad each weekend, right, in football. And this is a bit more like that. And so, again, going back to the Paul Casey not being picked in 2010, that's not a story because we won and we performed well at Celtic Manor and won. So it wasn't an issue. Now, had we lost, it may have been a story. But ultimately, Colin Montgomery decided that he may not fit in the team room or there may have been other stuff going on. I suspect there was. Um he wasn't really missed and the result goes to show that so I think this will all be forgotten if America go on and win if they don't then maybe it could lead to some interesting talking points post Ryder Cup 
Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a lot of time to and episodes to talk about the the Ryder Cup and uh, that to come, but we've covered it at some length here. We've got lots of other things to talk about as well. Oh, Solheim Cup as well, and you know the fact that they're sort of both together, Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup. Hopefully, they're going to sort of feed off each other a little, or, or more. The Solheim Cup is going to feed off the energy of the of the Ryder Cup, Ian. Well, yeah, you'd hope so. And actually, I was talking to Stacey Lewis about that, and she made the point that she doesn't feel that golf has fully capitalised on the fact that in Europe, in consecutive weeks, you've got the Solheim Cup followed by the Ryder Cup. This could have been billed as the ultimate festival of golf with the two most captivating events on both the men's and women's uh, calendars coming in quick succession. She doesn't feel that that has happened. I I tend to agree with her as well and certainly from our point of view on bbc radio on five live and also uh, extra and the bbc sport website you know we're viewing it very much that way in kind of billing a fortnight of, of of golf coverage coming up in september which we're really excited about and obviously likewise with you with the tv highlights andrew you know it's it's going to be you know front and center for for us in two consecutive weeks and perhaps golf could and should have done more there. Worth making the point, the the uh, picks for America, Ali Ewing, no surprise there, Angel Yin, neither, uh, and Cheyenne Knight getting the nod, the, the Texan, who's never represented America at any level before, and she comes in for her debut in a team that has five rookies in it, the American team. We know the European team as well. I think they're very closely matched. I think it could be really, really close as Europe go for three in a row in Spain the week before the Ryder Cup. Are you going to have Trish Johnson on the Five Live team? We are at the Ryder Cup. She, uh, I think she's doing the telly on uh, the Solheim, but then she comes to the natural home as a major winner. Major, well, senior major. Well, we don't count them on the men's side of things, so I'm not going to count them on the women's side of things. But it's fantastic winning the US Women's Senior Open, and she's such a nice person as well. I, you know, that this shouldn't. Well, no, it should matter. Actually, I was going to say that shouldn't matter. Actually, that should matter. She's. We should she's get fantastic. her on as a guest. Actually, she's great fun. Trish, is she a? Uh, she's a big Arsenal fan. She's a big Arsenal fan. Yeah. yeah. So no one's perfect. Okay. Um, so well done to Trish Johnson for winning at the weekend. Just uh, so. Leads us into the weekend very nicely. Um, we'll do the Tour Championship in a minute. Just quickly, Eddie, your Czech Masters experience. Well, you closed with a six under around. I mean, it was a bit of a birdie fest out there, wasn't it? It was a bit of a birdie fest. It was um, very soft. The greens were very slow and not, not great. And so it was difficult to three putt, although I found it impossible to hold a putt. It was also difficult to three putt. So, um, yeah, scoring was very bunched. But it's always a good event. And I was pleased for the promoter, as I said, I think last week, that he had a good field, best field he's had there. And um, I was pleased for him. And it's always a, you know, took Jen to Prague first time. We had some nice meals and uh, it's always a fun week, really, no matter how you get on. But um, it was good. And, and I did hit balls one day next to Ludwig Aubrey. And uh, oh. I, I, you know, onto the Ryder Cup, it wouldn't surprise me to see him get a pick. I saw him hit one, two iron, but uh, it was really a thing of beauty. So you are a very, very, very good player. You're a very good tour player. You're a winner on tour, but you still watch some people hit the ball and you think that's I I haven't got that. Come on, you have, or 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 is it just some people you can see they are a slightly different level? Yeah, there are many people you come across, but I did watch him because I haven't seen him in the flesh hit balls. Um, so I did watch him, and it was perfectly struck. You know, I, I talk about Tommy Fleetwood in 2019. It was the best ball striking I've ever seen. You know, the combination of 
low point center of mass, uh, center of club face hit, just perfect ball striking. He is that he is he's got that in abundance. So um, he's going to be one to watch out. It will be interesting if he gets a pick. I, unless he goes and does really well this week in Switzerland, I think it might be too soon. But um, he is absolutely going to be one to the future. I'm not sure the way Luke Donald's been talking about him. Um, so when he hit that 200, you go, Aberg, the A-train, man. Um, well, 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 perhaps we, Ian and I scramble against you and Ludwig at the scramble and see uh, if we can get, if we can avoid Not the 10 a and 8. What about, <laughs> Ian, you've got to aim high. You've got to, got to believe. You've got to have optimism. Um, Todd Clements. So Todd, any, Todd, Todd Clements. That just looks like an American name to me, but uh, Todd Clements. But he won. Um, he won the Czech Masters. Although I, I ended up looking up the name. I spent a lot of time when I was in my delirious, uh, ill state in in Hungary, uh, on the internet, doing looking up the name Todd, because uh, Todd is an old English name. It stems from the Northern Middle English words Todd with an e on the end, a double d, which means fox. So um, that's where it comes from. So uh, Todd Carty, who played Tucker in Grange Hill, and then was it Mark in EastEnders? Um, I was trying to think of any golfers called Todd, and I couldn't. And then, of course, there's one very obvious one, um, Todd Hamilton. Yeah, but his real name is William. Good. He, he is Todd is his middle name. He's okay. William Todd Hamilton. All right, but it's still one of his names. It's still mm. one of his many, many. What's happening? To, what's happened to Todd Hamilton now? What's Todd Hamilton doing now? Anyway, Todd Bennett was a great 400 meter runner. Uh, I couldn't think of any other golfers though. But it's Brendan quite a Todd. popular. Brendan Todd, okay, but that's it's not Todd Todd though, or Todd Brendan. I had a caddy for a few weeks, a few years ago called Todd. Um, for a few weeks. For a few weeks, he was uh, he was an interim caddy at the time for me, but it's a lovely guy, American fella, and um, he just uh, actually won on the Golf Pro Tour with Roger Sloan. He sent me a picture the other week of him holding the flag. Um, yeah, so Todd, it's a big name in Australia and New Zealand. Todd Woodbridge, uh, yeah. Todd Blackadder. Rugby player. Todd Bridges, the actor. I thought of one golfer, Todd Flanders from The Simpsons, because he played uh, crazy golf, mini golf against Bart. And what, well, it might have been Rod Flanders, actually. No, Todd, Todd Lewis on the Golf Channel? Todd, nice Todd Lewis on the Golf Channel. I'm, I'm fairly certain that Todd Lewis on the Golf Channel does not listen to us, but Todd Lewis is the most American-looking person I've ever seen in my life. In his, he's sort of got plaid, as they would call it, jackets, Perfectly fitted with a sort of a pocket square hanging out, and his teeth are the whitest, straightest teeth, and his hair is is like a play person's hair. Uh, he's very good at his job, but he is. Hey, he's uh, a really, really nice bloke as well. He is. He is. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not a nice person, but he's always impeccably and Americanly presented, Todd. So um, there we are. Todd Clements from Essex. Todd seems to be great guys, and Todd Clements is a great, great lad. I, I played with him last year for the first time at Hillside. Had dinner with him in Belgium a few months ago. Uh, he actually goes out with Olivia Cowan as well. He plays on the Ladies European Tour. Does he? Um, and they're a bit of a they're they're kind of a bit of a super couple, really. They're very good looking and and trendy and good at what they do. Um, so I was a lot of time for Todd, and I was thrilled to see him win. Mm. Um, and Pip, Matt Matt Wallace, I thought played. I watched the golf. I thought he played fantastic as well. Um, but Todd was I was really pleased for him. Yeah, six birdies in his opening eight holes, and then parred his way in. He was, he was nine under after 13 in that final round, and then parred in for 63. But yeah, Matt Wallace second, Bob McIntyre, and Ludwig Oberg fourth. So uh, good work for Bob McIntyre again there on his bid to get onto the team. 
Yeah, you know how like a, a French when a French player wins, all the other French players in the field wait and then spray the winner with with champagne. I like English players a bit below that, or were you waiting there to spray Todd with champagne at the end? Cider, cider. Yeah, uh, no, I wasn't waiting. I was um, selfishly, I think, going out for some for dinner. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not a thing that the Brits do, is it? Um, no. And I've Why never is that? really. I, I think we are. We don't care. We no, I don't think we do. I think I don't think we, we do. We're just not. There's not that kind of culture between the British players out on tour. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Laurie, you know, was to win, um, but not that I see Laurie very much anymore, but certainly in the last couple of years, had he won, you know, and I was there, I would have done that for Laurie. But, and I did do it actually for Tom Lewis in Portugal. Model of definitely the high expensive Bollinger for Laurie these days. Wicked. But, uh, Brewdog. Yeah. No, you're right, Ian. It's just sad, isn't it, really? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested with the way continental European golf is going because uh, you know the 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 the, the boys uh, match, which has always been between Great Britain Island and and um, the Jacques Leclerc Trophy and the continent of Europe. I think they've won it three times in a row now, the continent of Europe, and they're just getting better and better and better. And I, I uh, yeah, I think the the balance of power is shifting when you look at. Um, the number of golfers coming from the, co- I mean, talk about the continent of Europe as if it's, you know, this small place. I mean, the number of countries obviously it encompasses, they, they should have a lot of, but it, golf is really getting incredibly strong in the continent of Europe. And, uh, yeah, I wonder if, um, we're doing, I'm doing the Walker Cup this weekend, Ian, you're going to be up there as well. I wonder if that might become a European thing as well in the future. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Especially given that usually the americans win quite convincingly yeah that is a good idea actually um i came across that adrian uh dumont de chassard uh, andrew is that correct do you know i have i i don't i must confess that if i saw it written down i'd be able to tell you but i do not know of this player so adrian dumont chasseur chasseur i think you must correct but he he's he's identical to thomas dietrich and tom peters and nicholas Kossatz. they're all so tall and mm. uh trendy what what is it with, with the belgians well, I I don't know the Belgians. Oh, all these Belgians are so tall. Actually, the Netherlands are obviously not too far away, and in, uh, they're the, that's the tallest nation on earth, uh, the Netherlands. So good. Um, what was I going to talk about? I was going to talk about something else, uh, which I can't remember now. But in, in general, so Todd Clements winning. Well done to him and Bob McIntyre. Blah blah blah. Mentioned all that. So we'll move on to the the Tour Championship, which uh, Victor Hovland. Hovland, uh, Victor Hovland, isn't he in some fine form? Isn't that a contradiction, though, isn't it? No one ever makes any effort to go down the Aubrey route with Victor Hovland. No, because it's not. It's so different. Because if it must be Hovland or something. No, well, if people in America were calling him Hovlander, then I, I might. Well, they be call him Hovland, don't they? Well, I don't know. Maybe Tennessee no. was that what you were doing there? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, but uh, Hovland is whether it's Victor Hovland or Victor Hovland or Victor. Uh, you know, it's you can't really change that name as you can Ludwig Oberg to Ludwig Aberg. Um, so, oh, anyway, anyway, mind you, I mean, hats off to to Hovland. I mean, it was just another brilliant, brilliant performance. Um, I did a bit of sort of reading up on. 
on his background and this coach Joe Mayo who um has sort of transformed certainly his short so game. So is is he from golf then? Because I was reading an article about this coach who's coming yeah. from uh what did he come in from? Well what he was, was he a background? he was he was a professional poker player. Yeah. Um and then um sort of got into golf by selling um kind of trackman gizmos and um and out of that became a, a golf coach and a, a you know massively respected one who clearly is doing amazing stuff, but he doesn't bother watching golf and that sort of thing, according to to Victor Hovland. He's about the only coach that doesn't come watch the golf. And but um the work that they have done is, has been extraordinary. Um I, I mean I don't know, Eddie, if you know much about him or what the word on the on the the range is about Joe Mayo, but my goodness, he's done a job. So he is a called uh, Trackman Maestro, isn't he? And actually, mm. I met him because uh, when I played the players in 2019, I played a practice round with Brian Gay, and he was coaching Brian Gay. Um, Joe Mayo was, and a big guy. And uh, yes, yeah, so I did. I actually know who you're talking about, uh, funny enough. But I think he was speaking to my coach about my swing, saying, ah, you know, if he could just hit the ball more like Ludwig Oberly, he'd be a brilliant young player, Eddie. But um, no, nice guy. Uh, I didn't know that was his background, one. That's very interesting. Yeah, but his short game, because Luke Donald said that he walked three matches with him in the last Ryder Cup, and Hovland was not... He's always been aware of his shortcomings in in his short game, uh, but now he, with the, this work that he's done, you know, he's never going to be the best short game player in the world, but it, he's got up to mid-table, and with a mid-table short game, and also knowing where to hit it, not to short-side himself, not to put too much stress on that short game, which he can do when he's as good a ball striker as he is from tee to green, then he is, his consistency now, that consistency of excellency that you talked about for Rory McIlroy, that's what Hovland has in terms of his scoring of late. So I think the top guys on the European side of things are all, John Ramick accepted, but I think when it comes to the Ryder Cup, he's going to be absolutely fine. But all the top guys, the big guns on the European mm. side are all coming to great form. And the other great thing is that all the best players in the world are either European or American. So the Ryder Cup's going to feel like a, a world championship of golf in many respects. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, anyway, more Ryder Cup chat. Listen, we've got to move on again. We're, we're, um, we're rambling along and we're taking up a lot of your time, whatever you're doing, walking a dog, falling asleep. Um, golf on the socials. Uh, golf on the socials. We should have a little sting. I'm going to put a sting in there. No, I'm not. I'm just going to make one up. Golf on the socials. Right, that was a poor sting. Didn't it wasn't really a sting at all. It's just me saying golf on the socials. Um, I want to actually talk about this. Look, I, I saw, this was brought to my attention here uh, this week. So um, live, I don't know the live golf calendar, but I, but I saw that something's coming up in is it Chicago? When Chicago um, is that in September? Later in September? It's just before the Ryder Cup, maybe something like that. Does anyone know the live golf schedule? Um, I'll have it for you shortly. Okay, here we go. So here's a little trailer for what we can expect. The, the Live Golf. So um, the party hole is coming to Chicago. Live Golf tweeted, uh, and they tweeted with that emoji that's the sort of face that's slightly tilted, with a tongue sticking out and eyes rolling all over the place because it's so crazy and so much fun that they have to uh, have that emoji. Anyway, so let me play a little bit of this. Get tickets at LiveGolf.com. Oh, that's the end of it. Hang on a second. It started in Adelaide. Watering hole. Just listen to the roar of that crowd. It delivered unlimited energy. 
incredible action and awesome reactions. Now the party is coming to Chicago. If you enjoy watching the best players in the world, then you've come to the right place. And musical guest Nelly and Tiesto. Get tickets at livegolf.com. I'll stop that now. Stop it. Stop it now. So there's so much that is. There's so much that is. <laughs> Some people will love that, I'm sure. That sort of so, thing. So it's September the 22nd to the 24th. So it's the week of the Solheim Cup and just ahead of uh, of the Ryder Cup um, at Rich Harvest Farms near near Chicago. The voice you heard there was, is Arlo White. Well, not the main. The, so yeah, he was no, the commentary but, voice. He wasn't yeah, the, the one commentary boy. voice. No, but the 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 yeah, and Arlo's he's a great guy, he's massive great, Leicester yeah, City yeah. fan. I used to be his mentor when he first joined and he got a job commentating on golf, having never been to a golf tournament ever before. He does a great, uh, fair play. I think he does a fantastic job on that. I think that what they do with their broadcasts and it gets a lot of criticism from a lot of diehard golf people, but I think what they do is they broadcast and they don't narrowcast. We talked about it before. They are bringing people in and saying, hey, this is exciting. Come and watch this. Fair play to them. Yeah, it's a different type. Yeah, if, you, if you're into that sort of thing, then that's that's great. So um, go for it. Uh, the video to accompany it is uh, is quite something with it. Oh. Is it? I don't care. Stop that. Oh god. Yeah. See, it was more. It's more the video they got me. The guy swinging the show. The guy swinging the show. Who's way too big. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like Liv is selling their product that way, and you know, in on on the PGA Tour, we, we've got we're having all this, you know, angst about the the betting and people shouting out on people's backswings and. You know, you've got to make this putt because I've got three dollars on it, and and uh, and all that that that's going on. The culture, that you know, the the culture clash is is quite incredible, really. Yeah, I yes, I, I don't. I mean, I suppose it's just a different aspect of golf, and uh, perhaps it's for some people. It's uh, it's not for me. I was thinking about the things that I would rather do than spend a day at the party hall in Chicago and live. So I got I got to I got to the point where I thought somehow I've been you, you I've really been forced to be there. You do come on. No, I so it was a toss up between these. I I would rather I've been sent to work in a salt mine in Siberia. I don't know if they still have salt mines in Siberia for a year as a trainee. I'm not even a an upper level management, and I've got enough a boss who doesn't appreciate me. I've got co-workers who mock me and they ask me to bring them tea and coffee and then they, they spit it out at my feet and say it's not hot enough and demand that I go back and get some more and, you know, the tea urns on the other side of the, the compound. And then my evenings are, are spent in cramped accommodation owned by a, a deeply corrupt landlord in Siberia. And I share a room with three Chinese labourers who, well, they talk amongst themselves, don't they? I mean, that's what they would do. And they occasionally laugh and glance in my direction while boiling hen's beaks in a thin oily soup and smoking heavily so I just curl up on my mattress which is marked by indeterminate stains and with the occasional <laughs> cockroach for company and I sob myself to sleep and I wait for another grey and lifeless morning 
or if I'm lucky, I don't wake up at all. I would rather do that than spend a day at the party hall in Chicago. Uh, I mean, uh, Laurie is a fan of this podcast, but this is going to be his final episode. <sighs> anyway, so, but yeah, no, for some people it's good, the party hall in Chicago. So, um, <laughs> what else? <laughs> on the socials, I noticed you brought this to my attention, Eddie. Uh, Brassy Golf Club, come on, Brassy Golf Club mm. tweeted. Somebody had had basically just dug divots, uh, a divot or divots out of one of the greens, and they knew it was visitors. And they said they they wanted the guilty party to own up and pay for it, or just or just apologise and or and pay for the damage, and they would give the money to the junior section, I think it was, or something like that. But I just thought, what what's what's going on that somebody is just taking a, a huge divot out of a green? Is this this standards of behaviour we're talking about going downhill? Mixed emotions for me because I you know it isn't on and it's it's outrageous and it shouldn't happen. But I did it once at Trawford Heath when no. I was far too old to have done it, and I ended up getting suspended for six months, kicked out of the club. I did it in the club championship. It was the uh, on the fifth green of the blue course, second or third round, I think I was leading it, missed a five foot putt, slammed my putter into the green, took a big divot out of it. I did do a good you know repair job, but group behind um, dobbed me in, and uh, that was me out of the club for six months. So you know, I know people get angry, and it's it's not on, but uh, you know. It, it, I've obviously I've turned out to be a wonderful person, um, so it's fine. People can change, but yeah. You weren't playing a brassy last week, were you? I wasn't. Oh, that's uh, yeah. No, well, listen, hey, hey, kids, um, grow out of it. But this wasn't these. These were seen. These were visitors who were um, grown adults, and yeah, that's. Oh, come on, people, stop, stop behaving badly, people. Um, yeah, this is Eddie's confessional, isn't it? It is a little bit. This is quite a good. This is a therapeutic form. Maybe we could, we could definitely have one a week. Right, we're pushing on towards the hour mark or something like that. I don't know. Perhaps we'll edit this down. We'll only be at the half hour mark here because of Eddie's constant swearing. Uh, emails. So someone said uh, Scott Hamilton actually. He's a Northern Irish guy. I know him. Um, he said very disappointing to hear Andrew's Ferty impression lost its way this week, as in last week. Having got deserved credit in our house for absolutely nailing the 30 Northern Ireland and US accent accent mashup um, the week before, which must have been the one nice live for a bovine. Um, but uh, this week he said it was more like Judy Dench in Belfast the movie, and I can't remember what. <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't seen Belfast the movie and what Judy Dench does to the accent, but um, I can't remember what line I was going for last week. But um, there is a line this week that Fraser Shaw has reminded us of. Um, and the email again is the chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. Fraser Shaw says, My favourite David Ferty line from the Tiger Woods game was when you hit an approach shot that stopped quickly and he'd say, Sad down like an old dog by the fire. Uh, I kind of lost it there. That was Judy again. Oh, no. Heard it many a time, he said in the game. Sad down like an old dog by the fire. Um <laughs> Unfortunately, says Fraser Shaw, I have no recollection of the line that Eddie remembers, which I get. So nobody remembers this line, Eddie, your your made up line about knocked it stiff. Someone tweeted me on the Sunday. I, I, I hit my final shot at the tournament last week to about half a foot. And someone did tweet me saying, nice to see you. You hit it to a stiffy on the last, Eddie. Yeah. Well, next week when you knock it stiff, they go, sat down like a dog by the fire. Old dog by the fire. Messed it up. Um, other emails come in. Peter Bailey just said nice things, so thank you, Peter. Um, we got a, an appreciation email from the United States. 
uh, from Mike Thorne in New York, not New York City, New York State, um, Ulster something in New York State. I would like to express my sincere appreciation to you, Mr. Carter and Mr. Pepperell, for each week bringing wisdom and humour to your podcast, which I look forward to listening to. So hello, Mike. Uh, congratulations to Mr. Pepperell on his recent third place finish. Uh, thank you what you, Mr. Carter, and Mr. Purple do for the game of golf. I don't think we do much for the game of golf, but thank you very much indeed. Um, a couple of people talking about dog-friendly golf clubs, which uh, still go on, lots coming in. David Dudson talks about the Berkshire being the most dog-friendly golf course, halfway house where they serve them sausages. Appropriately um, named. Oh, God. Can I just get this. Files. Go to files. Uh, and download that, and there we go. Okay, yeah, appropriately named. Good. Uh, John, meanwhile, just says John. I haven't got a surname. He emails and says that he was at Royal Ashdown Forest and watched a Springer Spaniel trained to collect gimmies. His owner lagged it up from 30 feet and then issued a command, and it just went and got the ball for him. I don't know how... You know, the, the Springer Spaniel turning up to him and going, hang on, that's three and a half feet away. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Just think how um, fit Donald Trump's dog would be if he had to collect all of Donald <laughs> Trump's gimme. He'd be doing the 300 metres on every game. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, Robert Ainsworth Insta, Insta DM'd uh, me to say that dogs are allowed at Crail and Dornock. I think someone else had mentioned Crail before. What a, what a place that is. I also got an Insta DM from a, a Jeff Jeffson. So well done, Mr. and Mrs. Jeffson, first of all, for calling your son Jeff. Jeff Jeffson sent a picture <laughs> of a training aid of Greg Norman's, or it was certainly one endorsed by Greg Norman, called Greg Norman's Secret. Greg Norman's got more secrets than that. Eddie seems to know what this Greg Norman's Secret is in that it, it controls your right... What What is that finger on your right hand? Is that the index the finger? index finger. So that's yeah, the dominant one. If that gets too dominant, oh, trouble. And so this one kind of puts it in a, a brace... I think Ben Hogan called that the swing wrecker. Yeah, it's, it's, it is it is actually. And that's what sometimes I've found when I'm playing golf, that is the one. You know, you can do pull-ups in one finger if you're... If you're a bovine. A bovine. <laughs> actually, they, they don't have fingers and they can't do pull-ups. But on that one finger, you can almost do one finger pull-ups on, on that one finger, the index finger. Um, so it's so strong and it becomes... So dumb. Anyway, I also saw a YouTube review of a guy wearing this Greg Norman secret, Greg Norman's Victoria secret. So Greg Norman's secret, and but it looked really painful because it kept it. I'm not sure. Anyway, this guy reviewed it and said it was awful. So there are lots of braces out there, aren't there, for the for that right wrist to create that to force that lag position almost. I've actually been trying to take that finger out of the swing myself lately. Mm. You know, I have. I I I sent you pictures of Greg Hogan. Greg Hogan, God, I'm tired. We'll have to move on. <laughs> move on. Uh, Greg Hogan, what a player he was. There aren't many players called Greg Hogan. In fact, there are none. We're going to get an email from Greg Hogan somewhere in uh, Market Harbour. My name is Greg Hogan, and I'm a pretty mean player. Um, could Ian and I beat Greg Norman and Ben Hogan or scramble? Well, actually, probably now we could. No. But, um, no. Not in their pomp. No, I'm saying that... Uh, no! We, well, no, we couldn't because it would just be Greg on his own and he's still pretty good. Uh, although he does have a tendency to um, chainsaw his shoulder sometimes. We'd have right, to play I the party hole. The party hole. Oh, my God. Right, uh, anything else? Anything else to... Well, I mean, we're looking forward to the Walker Cup this weekend. That's going to be good. 
Yeah, I'll see you up in St Andrews. Really looking forward to that. I of, of all the golf events that I go to, I think you know, as and when I move to another world or dimension, another, another career or whatever, I or retire. Basically, I think the Walker Cup would be the one golf event that I would actively seek out buying a ticket for to go to. It is just brilliant. Oh, jeez, Mabel me? agrees. That's not Mabel. The Mabel, bark, doesn't, yeah. Mabel doesn't bark. Oh, oh, oh. Off to the bark show. That's a good gag. Eh? That's a good gag. Eh? Off to the bark show. I, I like that joke. <laughs> <That's good stuff. laughs> um, Get your crickets out. No, it's funny. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so the Walker Cup, I, I'm, I'm commentating on it. I think it's going out on, I don't know if this is the commentary they're using on Sky or if it's just going out on the YouTube channel. I should really find out, but I've been otherwise occupied. Um, and on the PGA Tour, they're off for a couple of weeks. And then the next season begins with a Fortinet champion. The Fortinet champion. That's like a Scandinavian person trying to say Fortnite. Fortinet uh, championship. Uh, what are you looking outraged for, Ian? Does the season really start? I, I think the season really starts in January because they're going to the... Oh, does it? I don't... Oh, I, yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. That's, so that's this is now the fall season. Oh, the fall which season. Which is part of... Yeah. Right. That's why you're looking outraged because I was being a, an absolute moron. So you're right to look outraged. Anyway, I think we'll call it a day and then I'm off to lie down like a dog by the fire. Fire. <laughs> an old dog by the fire. Uh, I apologise to everyone in Northern Ireland. But uh, good luck in cron sur Sierre which means Cron on Sierre. Um, good luck with... I Once when I was in cron sur I've been to cron sur Sierre once to the tournament there. Um, uh, enjoyed some climbing in the Alps around it, but I remember seeing a woman just pick up a golf ball and take it... You know, someone hit a drive and it went off into the trees. And I've never seen spectators who are more fashionably attired or less clued up about golf than Cronsourcier. So this woman just picked up this, put it in her bag, picked up the ball, just walked off. She was chased down by uh, a couple of more clued up people. So I think they're all here just to see Miguel Angel Jimenez, who incidentally is here this week. And I think I'm going to try and get him to come up with a new sting for the, this podcast. Oh, that would that be good. good. Actually, that is a good challenge. Yeah. And picking up a ball like that is, is nowhere near as big a crime as digging up a green. Let's face it. It's not. Let's end on that note. Stay sensible, people. Behave yourselves out there. And we'll see you next week. Another par. And that completes this edition of The Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Folding Pocket.